Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the rare Tuesday edition of The Yard. Yesterday was a travel day for me as I made my way back from uh, from Rocklahoma. A, a good weekend. It's always nice to get away. You know, go do something, kind of uh, kind of reconnect with the tribe, so to speak, if you know what I mean. It's, it's always nice to kind of get out. I've done a lot of traveling this year. A ton already. A lot of Mississippi State baseball travel. My hope is we have at least one more, well, I guess there will only be one, but one more Mississippi State baseball road trip this year. I'm, I'm hopeful that it's the case. We'll get into all of that. We'll get into a, you know, a quick glance back at what the SEC Tournament Champion has done in recent years after winning the SEC Tournament Championship. And we'll kind of look ahead to, uh, you know, to the NCAA Tournament bracket. We'll kind of look at um, you know, what to expect. And then so I'll be back tomorrow. We'll begin to really kind of break down the, uh, the regional pairings a little bit more. Uh, as they relate to Mississippi State, already kind of beginning to get some information uh, about pitching matchups. One of the things that I will tell you, there there's some rumors around this morning that Mississippi State has already decided to throw JT again on Friday. I am told by an impeccable source that had decision has not been made. 
the only thing at this point that we can feel confident about is that Ethan Small will not throw on Friday, that we will save him for Saturday, which makes a lot of sense considering that Miami has, uh, you know, five or six left-handers in their lineup on a regular basis. And so smart to throw Ethan in game two, whether it be Central Michigan or Miami. But with Southern coming in, Southern is not a pushover type team. I know State's had some success against some SWAC teams this year. Southern is a proud baseball program. They beat LSU earlier this year in a midweek game. Their ace, uh, Fennery, I'm sure, will throw against Mississippi State on Friday. But as of now, there has been no decision about who will throw for Mississippi State on Friday. They will have practice today, kind of work through all that and kind of see where guys are. I will not be surprised if it's Peyton Plumley. I won't be surprised if it's JT again. You know, but I'll be honest with you, I would probably I would probably pitch backwards this weekend. But we'll get into more of that later in the week. I want to thank our fine friends at Campus Bookmark. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talented Susie, kind of the straw that serves the drink downstairs. They're happy to serve you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. Campus Bookmart is a stark building and institution, been here forever and a day. Many of you bought your textbooks at Campus Bookmart when you were students here. Now it's time to outfit your family, your home, your pets, your RV, your office, whatever you have, and latest in maroon and white fashions as well as novelty items. You can find those when you come to town. You go by and see the uh, the crew there, but you can also shop online at campusbookmart.net. Yes, that's campusbookmart.net, and they just posted today. You can go ahead and order that NCAA regional shirt. That's a really cool thing. That, that, that's what they do. They turn it around really quick there. So go ahead and go to campusbookmart.net, order that regional shirt, have that as a nice keepsake. My hope is you can order one for Omaha, too. That's my hope pretty soon. If you're ordering online, we encourage you to use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that will get you free shipping on all orders over $50. So uh, real quickly here before we get into the NCAA tournament, I wanted, I've looked at a couple things this morning. Uh, a few things that I wanted to share with you. I tweeted it out earlier after some research. Uh, I think this is outstanding. You, you want to talk about the health of your athletics department. When, when we've talked about the last couple of years, how great things have gone for Mississippi State, that we have had a lot to cheer for, there are sometimes I think that hurts baseball attendance, to be honest with you. And my theory on that is this. It's like, I know that everybody's invested in football. We're going to come to football. We expect a win in women's basketball, so we come to that. And I, and I do think that kind of hurts at times with men's basketball attendance. But I think by the time we get to baseball, some of us are kind of worn out. You know, there's a lot of dollars invested in your entertainment uh, experience at Mississippi State. And so as a result, you know, Mississippi State fans are not getting a break every now and again. And I say that with air quotes, break, because you want to be a winner in everything. But there have been many years in our history where we have had some seasons we could kind of take off. And what I mean by that is is you might have had a really good football year, but a lean men's basketball year. And we've only been, you know, we're kind of new money when it comes to women's hoops, right? So we're, we're adjusting there. But to, to kind of show you the health of your Mississippi State Athletics Department, and I think this is a, n- nothing, n- nothing speaks more volume than this. Mississippi State, one of just four teams nationally, and let me reiterate that, only four teams in the country can claim the following, that their football team played in an FBS bowl game, the men's and women's basketball teams appeared in the NCAA basketball tournament, and the NCAA softball tournament, and now the upcoming baseball tournament. Only four teams in the country can make that claim. Only two in the SEC. I'll run them down for you. It's Auburn, Mississippi State, 
Arizona State and the University of Michigan. Now, one of the things that I will offer right out of the gate is Mississippi State doesn't have the budget as the other three teams have. However, there they are. Mississippi State competing well on all fields of play, finding a way to get to the postseason, finding a way to have a great student-athlete experience here in Starkville. Uh, I think that's pretty cool. I saw some, I think it was Reddit yesterday that sent out the uh, the research about, uh, you know, 10 teams. There were 10 teams that in the country that played in the bowl game, men's basketball tournament, and baseball tournament. And because I am a uh, advocate for Title IX, I thought, well, you know, well, well, let's let's add the women's sports to it and see how this thing shakes out. So when you add the NCAA women's basketball tournament softball to it, only four teams left standing. And you're Mississippi State Bulldogs, one of those four. That is a really, really, really cool thing. There were many years where, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw this out here, not to be overly critical of anybody, but there were many years where our women's sports were essentially an afterthought at Mississippi State. That's just the reality of things. We didn't support women's hoops. We weren't good at women's hoops. We didn't invest in women's hoops. Uh, Coach Fanning Otis had a, a couple really good years for us, but by and large, I just don't think there was a commitment there. It's one of those things, too, and I don't mean that on Coach Otis's part. What I mean is there just wasn't a commitment from the fan base, and it just never really seemed to get over the hump. And it just goes to show you there was all this pent-up exuberance on the behalf of Mississippi State folks. Once we began to win, the fans came. And now I think what we're doing is we're seeing the Mississippi State brand begin to expand. Well, I believe, by and large, we will always be a baseball school. Uh, Mississippi State folks are beginning to hear their school mentioned in connection with a lot of big things on all fields of play. So, a really cool thing there. So, let's uh, let's take a quick look back. Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because that that ten run rule to LSU kind of sticks in the crawl a little bit. But the uh, the SEC tournament, since we've been together, a lot's happened since uh, since we have spoken. You know, we we left. I left Hoover, Alabama, Thursday night, thinking, okay, uh, I don't know what's going to happen with us in LSU. It would be great to beat LSU again to get another top 50 win. But all that being said, I think Mississippi State had already accomplished everything it needed to accomplish in Hoover. You get that first win over LSU, and I think you go toe to toe with Vanderbilt, and you realize then there are a lot of people out there that think Vanderbilt's going to win the whole thing. And there you are going toe-to-toe with them in a pitcher's duel, and you kept one of the nation's most potent offenses off balance. So I think you leave there Thursday night, and you think, okay, we've got a really good chance to win this thing. We've got a chance to really have the year. And then we get into uh, Friday, and things just fell apart. It was just one of those deals right out of the gate that LSU jumped on state early. JT Ginn just didn't have it. And that's two two outings against LSU. And I just think they – have his number right now. Now, the best thing about pitching is when when, you, when there are those teams out there that kind of force you to kind of compete and change your game a little bit, you become more, more well-rounded as a pitcher. This is not on JT again. We weren't going to win that ball game 2-1, to one, okay? And so my point being is that we got on out of there, and there's some of our fans, and listen, I love I love every Mississippi State fan, okay? Some more than others, some a lot more than others. But I love all, all of our fans. But let me say this. Some of the same people that were texting and tweeting and griping and everything else about the result against LSU on Friday were the same people a week earlier saying, hey, I'd be okay if we went 0-2 and Hoover, let's just come home and get ready for the regional. The same people. 
many of the same people. Like, hey, you know what? I don't even care. I don't even care about Hoover. I wish we didn't even have to go. And then we go over there and we go one and two, and it's like, wait a minute, this is embarrassing. No, it's not embarrassing. It's baseball, okay? It's baseball. You can't you, you can't bow out at Hoover. It's not like you can say, hey, guys, we're just going to pick up our stuff and go home. Do I believe Mississippi State um, was ready to play that ball game on a Friday? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. I know that Mississippi State wasn't going to gain a whole lot from winning that ball game on Friday. I'm not saying State went out there and dogged it. But I don't, I don't feel that it's the negative deal that many other people do. I think being able to get back and have a couple days off after a long season, I think there is value in every bit of that. So, of course, uh, LSU bounces Mississippi State out of the tournament. Uh, and then the next day, of course, uh, you know, some big things happen. You know, some big things happen. Uh, Ole Miss takes down Georgia. And I really felt like, in many respects, that State and Georgia entered Hoover. State, Arkansas, Georgia entered that whole thing kind of similarly situated, if you understand what I'm saying. When you begin to look ahead at the NCAA tournament bracket, you think, okay, how does this thing shake out? Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi State, all right there together. And so, in that respect, I think Hoover means a little something because whoever has the better showing is probably going to get the better national seed, Right. That's pretty much how it played out. Pretty much how it played, played out. Uh, Arkansas and Mississippi State both bow out on the same day. Arkansas beat Mississippi State head-to-head, and guess what? Arkansas is ranked ahead of Mississippi State in the, in, in the tally in the NCAA regional field. Georgia makes it another day. Georgia goes 2-0. and They advance to single elimination. They go 2-1 and in Hoover. Yes, Mississippi State beat them head-to-head. However, when you look at the metrics there, you say, okay, what's what's our tiebreaker? Okay, well, they won two games. And so in that respect, I think Hoover means a little something because when you're competing against and with teams that are kind of similarly situated from a metric standpoint, anything you can do to give yourself an advantage is big. So Georgia makes it a little bit farther in the tournament. And you know what? As a result, Georgia is uh, seated higher in the NCAA tournament. So Ole Miss takes out Georgia. Uh, 5-3, and that's one of the things I've said about Ole Miss all year, is they're incredibly resilient. I mean, just when you think that they're dead in the water, they turn this thing around. And just when you think they've got it figured out, uh, they go back in the tank. Uh, so, But here's the, here's the deal. All, everything that's happened before now means nothing. Now they've got a home regional. They're ready to go. Uh, it's it's a brand-new season in many respects. But Georgia, Georgia goes bows to Ole Miss, 5-3. Vanderbilt beat up on LSU pretty good, and we kind of expected that anyway. You kind of felt like LSU was was out of pitching. Vanderbilt, you know, responds in a pretty major way after just the uh, the one nothing showing against Mississippi State, 13-4. And then, of course, you have uh, the Sunday championship game, and Vanderbilt wins an extra innings on a walk-off. And uh, one of the things, you know, and listen, I'm not a big uh, Mike Bianco fan, but I've got a lot of respect for Bianco. I think Mike Bianco is a great baseball coach. You know, and I hear these folks – that uh, you know, there's this uh, non-silent minority, very vocal minority, you know, that they jump out there and they're all upset. And, you know, Mike Bianco cannot win with some people, much like uh, it's, I guess it's the case anyway, but anywhere. But, uh, you know, it's bases loaded, and uh, you bring in Ryan Olenek to try to close the thing out. And, you know, Ryan Olenek has had a couple of big saves down the stretch. And so you have a couple guys in the pen – you don't bring him in, you elect to go with Olenek, and he gives up the game-winning hit. Well, here's the deal about that. If if Bianco had brought in anybody, 
and they give up the hit, there would have been those same people would have said, well, I don't understand why we didn't bring Olnick in. He's been lights out. So you can't win. But the bottom line is the better team won. And that's not throwing shade at Ole Miss. you got to give tip the cap to Ole Miss for making a championship Sunday. That's two years in a row they've kind of figured some things out in Hoover. But they dropped the game to Vanderbilt. And so what, what does it mean to really win the SEC tournament? We've, we've talked about, you know, it's – State didn't have a whole lot to prove, but I think in the end you can look at it and say, okay, well, winning another game might have been advantageous to the Bulldogs. But all that being said, let's take a look at the last 10 SEC tournament champions. And let's and let's see, because it's not necessarily a guarantee for success. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go win the College World Series, even though that has happened one time. In the last 10 years, there's been one SEC tournament champion that has gone on to win the national championship, and that was 2009 LSU, the Maneri Championship. And in many people's eyes, you know, really the most legitimate of the LSU championships. It's been more like real baseball. You know, we endured a, the, the gorilla ball era that it was more like church league softball than baseball. But LSU wins it in 2009. Uh, Maneri takes them and they knock out Texas. 2010, your SEC, SEC tournament champion was LSU. They get knocked out in the regionals that year by UC Irvine. Had to travel out there and uh, play in the, I guess it was the UCLA regionals at Jackie Robinson Stadium. But they lose to UC Irvine. 2011, Florida wins the SEC Tournament Championship. They advance to the College World Series and lose to South Carolina in the College World Series Final. 2012, Mississippi State. Mississippi State wins the SEC Tournament Championship and then lose in the regionals at Florida State against Samford. 2013, LSU wins wins the uh, SEC Tournament Championship. They advance to the College World Series and go 0 for Omaha. And you might have forgotten, Mississippi State didn't win the SEC Tournament. And they advance to the College World Series Final Series against UCLA. The highest finish in program history. Number two. 2014, LSU wins the SEC tournament again, and they lose in the NCAA regional. Again, lose in the regional. And you're going to see, folks, there's been in the last five years, six, five, six years, there's been more of that than there have been guarantees for success. 2015, Florida wins the SEC tournament, and then they advance to the College World Series, and they lose to Virginia. 2016, you may recall Mississippi State won the regular season SEC championship. A&M wins the SEC tournament, and then they lose in a Super Regional TCU. Mississippi State also loses in a Super Regional to, uh, to Arizona, who went on to lose in the College World Series final to uh, the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. And the fact that Coastal Carolina has a national championship and we do not is something that I don't know that I'll ever get over. Even 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 after we win our first one and our second one, I'm still going to look back at that 16 year and I'm going to think, man, what a golden opportunity we wasted there. 2017 LSU wins the SEC tournament. They advance to the College World Series final and lose to Florida. So again, Florida doesn't win the SEC championship tournament, and then they win the College World Series. And if you recall that LSU team, that's 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 the that's the big one, right? That's the team where all of the with Kramer Robertson and Jared Poche and Lang and all those guys elected to forego the MLB draft and come back for one more run at a championship. And then they made a run. And they didn't get it. And I don't know if we'd ever heard the end of it. But the bottom line is they didn't win it. 
2018, Ole Miss wins the SEC Tournament Championship. And then they lose to Tennessee Tech at home. And uh, a good friend of mine one time put a graphic together that showed that uh, Oxford has had more opposing team dog piles than any place in the country on regional weekends. So, but we're about to see again, right? So if you go back and you look, the last 10, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, of the last 10 SEC tournament champions, only five of those teams advanced to the College World Series. So it's really a mixed bag. I mean, it really is. It's really a mixed bag. Uh, I think you look at this thing, too. You had, what, you know, three, three, three of those teams get bounced, or four of those teams get bounced in the regionals. Something to be said for all that. And so winning the SEC Tournament Championship is no guarantee of future success. While we have had some great teams, we have had some national championship teams in this league win the tournament. It is very much a mixed bag. And there are a lot of people out there saying, okay, well, listen, you know, Vanderbilt's the best team in the SEC. Really, I think if you look at the way Vanderbilt has played in the tournament, you know, look at what the Mississippi schools did against them. You know, you got a one-run one win over State and a one-run win over Ole Miss. And the granted State and Vanderbilt through their aces, and then you know, the, the championship game kind of becomes a slugfest. But the bottom line is Vanderbilt is not the dominant team a lot of people are making them out to be away from Nashville. They're just simply not. And I think what we saw at Hoover shows that Vanderbilt, yes, they win the tournament, but Vanderbilt can be beaten. Vanderbilt is a team, especially in that big ballpark at a bear trade. They are a team that uh, is kind of going to be leveled out a little bit. It's a much different deal playing on that turf at Nashville. It's a much, much different deal. So I think Vanderbilt is somewhat vulnerable. Tip of the cap to them. They're the number two national seed now. But I don't look at this thing and say, man, Vanderbilt's going to run, run away with it. History shows us that's not the case. And Vanderbilt has won the national championship, but they've also won that uh, – you know, with years when they weren't necessarily considered the best team in the SEC. And so a new season begins right now. And before we get into that, let me, let me remind you, Bulldog Burger Company is the place where the cool kids eat in Stark Vegas. This summer, many of you are going to be out and about, maybe taking a road trip. Maybe it's time to go come by and just visit the best parts of Starkville that you don't get to see on game day. Maybe you come by and you, you tour the Cotton District. You come by and you go to the Ulysses S. Grant Library here on campus. But you're going to need something to eat. You're going to find that at Bulldog Burger Company. Love Bulldog Burger Company. And there's so many. They've got specials throughout the summer, too, to kind of keep you engaged and keep you interested, right? You can go with the classics. And there's always, you know, the Mission, the Pimentology, the Bryant, the Bulldog. If you just want a great restaurant-quality hamburger, you know, without a lot of trimmings, the Bulldog's the way to go. But if you want to step on the wild side a little bit, I'm going to encourage you to kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit and try something a little bit different. There's not going to be anything there you're going to eat and say, man, this wasn't any good. It's all good. So I encourage you to go by, find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Stark where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter. Keep up to date with specials. I mean, you, you, need, you need more goodness on your, your feet anyway, right? It'd be nice to see a great restaurant-quality hamburger come rolling through every once in a while. So, uh, so let's get into uh, in the tournament a little bit here. You know, I was not pleased, I guess, with uh, with some of the seedings that came out yesterday, but it's one of those deals, too. You begin to look at it and think, okay, all right, let's move on. Let's kind of get it going. Put it behind us. It's not going to really change anything, and it didn't. It didn't. didn't we, we, we griped and complained all evening. Nothing changed. Absolutely nothing changed. 
Mississippi State, uh, where we expected to be in many respects, that's a top eight national seed. So like everybody else, I was obviously very surprised when Georgia Tech uh, <laughs> is uh, listed among the top four national seeds. And I don't even know why you do that anyway. What's the point leaking the top four? I don't know what, I don't know what you gain from any of that other than to get some hits on your Twitter account. But that's, that's what happened. Georgia Tech, uh, 41-17, and 17, yeah, a great baseball team, but uh, not not what you would expect for them to be ahead of Mississippi State, ahead of Arkansas. It, it, make, it, it makes no sense. Uh, I, and people say, well, you know, we'll tune into the conference call. I, I don't care about the conference call. I don't think it makes any sense. I don't even really care what uh, what what Ray Tanner has to say about it. I hope you didn't hear that racket there. Sorry about that. Uh, not interested at all in hearing any of that discussion about uh, the metrics because it is what it is. No matter what their explanations are, uh, they're going to be gone. That's why I'm, I'm going to tell you one of the things that I hate most about modern technology is uh, you, you'll be sitting here looking at something on the internet in in uh, in the background, and all of a sudden they want to sneak in, uh, you know, their their ads. It drives me nuts. It absolutely drives me nuts. But all that being said, I digress. A lot of discussion about the tournament uh, seating yesterday, and uh, you know, so. Mississippi State gets in as a six. That, that's where we were the last time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Georgia Tech's the number three overall seed, which makes no sense whatsoever. But here's the deal. Mississippi State might catch a break in this deal. Because if the chalk holds, if I'm reading the bracket correctly, and I believe that I am, if the bracket holds, then State would play Georgia Tech the first game at Omaha. And so while yesterday that seemed to be just such a slap in the face, it might end up working out to be something good for Mississippi State in the end because I don't think Georgia Tech can beat Mississippi State. I don't think so. I think I think Georgia Tech is the weakest of the top eight national seeds, and uh, I think that Mississippi State would be able to take them down. So while it felt bad yesterday, it might feel great here in a couple of weeks. But the bottom line is we have to get there first. Uh, so running down the number ones, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know by now, UCLA – Oregon State, Pac-12 versus Pac-12. So in the event that UCLA and Oregon State both win their regional, you're going to have Pac-12 teams going head-to-head, which is going to eliminate one or the other right out of the gate. And then let's get down to the next quadrant, right? Oklahoma State, Tennessee Tech, pardon me, Texas Tech. Two Big 12 rivals right there. And so one of those two is going to be eliminated in the Super Regional. So right out of the gate... You've got this forced parity within conferences in the very first quadrant of the tournament. Listen, I don't know that Oregon State is an Omaha-worthy team right now. They've been kind of up and down. Pat Casey has done an, an incredible job building that program at Oregon State. The Beavers are the class of the West. But to have them have to face UCLA, the number one seed in the tournament, as the defending national champions, I... It smacks of politics to me. I said that yesterday because everybody talks about the SEC thing. I think there is a pattern that has emerged with this selection committee that is wrong. You can't sit here and tell me that you're that, that it just so happens that you're going to have all these conference foes go head to head in a super regional. You know, I, I just I think I think you rank the top 64. I think you have what 31 automatic qualifiers and 33 at large bids. I think that's how the whole thing works. And so, just go ahead and rank them. 1 through 64, and then let's go. Let's go play baseball. Let's don't get into all of this. Well, we don't need to have five SEC teams in Omaha because that will hurt our TV ratings. Listen, it is what it is. 
you got to schedule these things what's best for the game. So, again, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech could meet head-to-head. Well, guess what happens in the next quadrant? Matter of fact, the next two quadrants. If the chalk holds, you would have Arkansas hosting Ole Miss in a Super Regional, thus guaranteeing that one SEC team is eliminated. In the quadrant beneath that, LSU and Georgia. So, right out of the gate, you're guaranteed in this quadrant alone, you're going to cut at least half of the SEC teams out of the field. Right? So, the flip side of that is, is that Mississippi State avoided all of that hubris. And that was the discussion going in. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're going to pair for what LSU. And I kept telling everybody, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. And guess what? It happened to Georgia. You know, the, the reality of the deal is, if Mississippi State is a top eight national seed, having them paired you know, with a team that has had their number seems a bit unfair. But then you look at what's going on with Ole Miss and Arkansas and you think that's exactly what they did to Arkansas. You know, and if, I, if I'm Mr. Ole Miss fan, and thank God that I'm not, but if I'm Mr. Ole Miss fan, I am loving life today because not only did you avoid having to be a number two seed and having to travel out west, you did just enough in Hoover to earn a home regional and take it away from A&M. I and mean, listen, when you look at the resume between A&M and Ole Miss head-to-head, Ole Miss deserved to get the regional. There's no doubt about it. And the fact they closed out and, you know, really played well in Hoover. So for them, you know, the, the, while Hoover may not have meant a whole lot to Mississippi State, it meant a lot to Ole Miss. It changed the narrative for them. Because rather than being on the road, they're going to be at home. And they're going to play Arkansas, a team that they went – and beat in Bomb Stadium earlier this year, and they took two from, or pardon, they split with an Hoover. So Ole Miss is 3-2 and two on the year against Arkansas. So if I'm Arkansas, and again, thank goodness I'm not, but if I'm Arkansas, I'm thinking, hey, listen, you know, we, we're the top five national seed in this tournament. We're number five. And then if, if we win our regional, which we should, but if we win our regional, we've got to play a team in our park that came in here and beat us. And so the same argument that we would have had had Mississippi State had to host LSU is the same one, the same argument that Arkansas can make. And so I don't know if that's fair. I'll be honest with you. I think if you're a top eight national seed, you should be able to avoid teams and super regionals that may have had your number. You know, and I don't know if there's an easy way to fix it. I know there's all this geography and all that kind of stuff, but here's the deal. Your team's going to travel for super regional. Simple as that. And Arkansas has a cake of a regional, an absolute cake of a regional. TCU, the weakest team in the field, slips in. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, they're in. And uh, I'm sure Arkansas fans are tired of seeing them anyway. But uh, be that as it may, that's the deal. So getting to the other side of the bracket, you know, Vanderbilt, people talk about Vanderbilt has a difficult uh, regional. I don't agree. I think Vanderbilt will, will walk through that deal. And then they get the uh, they're paired with the West Virginia regional. West Virginia, a team that's played pretty well this year, they have not played anybody even anywhere close to what they'll see with an SEC baseball team. I, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and call it now. Vanderbilt's gonna be in Omaha. Okay, that, I know that, that's that's not a big limb to be out on, uh, but the bottom line is this: Vanderbilt has a, in my mind, a very very easy path uh, to Omaha. The the bottom half of that of that side of the bracket uh that quadrant is the that's the ecu and louisville deal 
EC, if ECU doesn't get out of that regional, I'll be absolutely shocked. What is that, Quinnipiac? Is that right? Quinnipiac, Campbell, and NC State. You know, I don't know if NC State's got the pitching depth. I'm sure that'll be the regional final, ECU and NC State. Uh, I'm not really sold on ECU. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, th- I think they've got some guys that can swing it. But um, in the event they advance to the Super, they would be up against Louisville. I, I, I like Dan McDonald. I think Louisville is a great program. They're, you know, they've got a chance to go to Omaha every year. It's one of the things I think about. You know, so many people on, on the Ole Miss side of things say, hey, we'll be able to go get uh, Cliff Godwin or, or, uh, or Dan McDonald. I don't know why either one of those guys would leave and go be in the more competitive environment. What I mean by that is Goodwin, number one, is an East Carolina guy. But number two, he can get to Omaha from right there in Greenville, South Carolina. Right? Dan McDonald has dominated that conference at Louisville. He's got a good chance to go to Omaha every year. So why, why would he say, okay, yeah, let, let, me, let me go to this place that's been one time since 1972? One time in, you know, what, 40, 46 years? That, that, that doesn't sound like a good deal to me. But those guys will be head-to-head. Louisville and ECU, I, I suspect both of them will win that regional in, in advance. And, again, Louisville uh, might have a little bit of trouble, but uh, they'll be good. They'll, they'll be good. Indiana's a, a solid number two coming in there, but they'll be good. And then in the bottom half of that quadrant, number four, uh, that's out of the bracket, of course, you know, Mississippi State, and that will we'll be paired up with Stanford. I, again, I think Mississippi State catches a huge break here. I think Stanford might be the most overrated team in the country. When you look at their strength of schedule, uh, they have played next to nobody, but yet here they are as a number one seed. Uh, and, 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 you know, I don't know that they even advanced out of that regional, to be honest with you. Fresno State, arguably the best three seed in the tournament. <laughs> I mean, Fresno State's capable of winning that deal. But you also get UC Santa Barbara, who has been outstanding this year, and a lot of people thought they might host in Las Vegas. They don't get to host. They're the number two. I suspect that who that regional, they're going to beat each other up. I think that Stanford, uh, UC Santa Barbara regional, will be very fun to watch. But they're paired up with Mississippi State. And so in the event that Mississippi State can advance in the regional, and of course there's no guarantee because I think State's regionals is loaded. Get some really good teams coming in here. Considering it's State's number six national team, they didn't get a cakewalk of a regional like some other folks. I, I think the super regional here against one of these West Coast teams, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and lay it out here for you. If Mississippi State advances out of the regional this weekend, Mississippi State's going to Omaha. I'll go, you, I'm going to go ahead. That's my hot take of the day. Because I actually believe that uh, State knocking off Miami might be more difficult than knocking off Stanford or UC Santa Barbara. Finally, uh, North Carolina and Georgia Tech on the other end of this deal. Uh, North Carolina has Tennessee as a two. Tennessee is a scary number two because Tennessee has elite pitching. Now, Crochet got the broken jaw against Ole Miss. I suspect that he's done, okay? So that changes the metrics a little bit. But Garrett Stallings is as good as a Friday night starter as there is in the country. In the event Tennessee finds a way 
if they can, you know, get by Liberty, and I suspect they will, if they can get by Liberty, and if, if they can get 2-0 and o in this deal, they've got just enough offense to make this thing interesting. I, I think North Carolina is – they're going to have to really earn it. Tennessee is – North Carolina's coming on strong, but Tennessee is a team, when they're on pitching-wise, they're very, very difficult to beat. Georgia Tech, obviously, the, uh, the the final one. Georgia Tech, Florida A&M, uh, Coastal Carolina, Auburn. That's a regional, too. It's absolutely loaded. Absolutely loaded. Auburn's uh, pitching a little bit arm-weary at this point. But uh, they've got enough in the tank to go out there. You know, Auburn, Auburn pitched pretty well at Hoover. Tanner Burns didn't go. He will go this weekend. He will go this weekend. Uh, but, you know, Coastal's another one of those teams that uh, got hot late. They're a team capable of making a run at this thing. So, you know, Georgia Tech, they will have to earn it. But when you begin to kind of break that thing down, you, in those that quadrant beneath Mississippi State, that's the, 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 the team that ultimately Mississippi State would see in Omaha should State advance. I think State probably, of all the teams in the field, if the chalk holds for Mississippi State, and everybody else. I think State probably would have the the best matchup in the opening round at Omaha. And you know how important all that is. And, and, we, and I know people say, well, Steve, you know, let's, let's not look too far down the road. We can look as far down the road as we want to because we're not coaching or playing in the game. But we got to go take care of business first. Uh, Southern University, of course, uh, will be Mississippi State's first-round opponent. A lot of discussion, again, about pitching. I'm told that we're going to go through practice and kind of see how everybody feels and how everybody looks before we make a decision. Again, the one thing that I feel great about is Mississippi State will not throw Ethan Small against Southern University. I know that uh, that gets a little folks riled up thinking about Paul Mahalam uh, years ago. Probably should have saved him a throw against UNC, but that's, that's uh, a bit of history now. But the bottom line is Mississippi State needs to find a way to get out of this deal. And I don't know if you're, you're aware of this, and many of you were probably thinking I'll do it at lunch. Grandstand, chairback tickets already sold out, already gone. Saw some uh, tweets this morning around, uh, you know, before 9 o'clock that they were already sold out. Standing room only tickets still available. No grandstand tickets left for the weekend. None. Might be able to grab some the day of the game. I don't guarantee it. We're going to have massive crowds here at Dirty Noble all weekend. My hope is you're able to be a part of that. One of those things where being a season ticket holder always helps. All that being said, I know there's some Bulldog Club members that were not unable to get grandstand tickets because they were sold out. Again, we are a baseball school. So we'll see how that all shakes out this weekend, and, and I'll be back on tomorrow, and we'll begin to kind of break down and, and begin. By that time, hopefully, we'll have an idea of the pitching matchups or at least uh, pretty good idea. We'll, we'll hear some rumors. Some things will begin to leak out. But you can feel pretty confident Ethan Small will not go on Friday. He was absolutely sparkling against Vanderbilt. And uh, I suspect that you know, we're, we're going to need, need to win game two no matter which one it is, either to advance us to uh, the regional final or to keep us out of elimination. But State's going to have to swing the bats better. That's one of the things when you begin to look back what, what happened last week. You know, State – at times really, really struggle to put the ball in play. We're not you're not gonna see any bad pitchers this time of year. It's just not gonna happen. Unless you get, you know, four or five games deep into an NCAA regional, you're not gonna see anybody throw MVP. 
there aren't any bad teams in NCAA tournament. It just doesn't happen that way. Everybody is used to winning. Everybody's got at least one great arm. Everybody. Absolutely everybody. Even Southern University. Fennery, two hit LSU, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely shut them down. So Jake Gotro, who is the subject of some um, head coaching rumors, will need to uh, to have bring his best, best effort. A lot of discussion that um, the head coach of Tulane may be on the move. And should that job open up, Jake Gotro would be an obvious candidate. I think that is uh, that's probably fair. I think he is a guy that'll be that's going to be a head coach somewhere. I don't know that Tulane uh, is the move now. Jake Gotra obviously would have to decide that he's a Tulane guy, but the Tulane Green Wave of today is not what it was before. And what I mean by that, and this is something we'll get into much later, probably deeper into the summer, uh, is that Tulane used to take advantage of the five need-based scholarships that uh, Rice and Vanderbilt and others. Uh, have done for many years. Well, from my research, I have found out that Rice no longer does it, Vanderbilt still does, Tulane no longer does. And so look at what has happened to Rice and Tulane baseball over the course of the last few years since they stopped using need-based scholarships. And so what the need-based scholarship basically does is it enables a school to give a 100% ride, 100%. There is no academic component to it. There is no APR component to it. And it is one of the reasons that Vanderbilt is Vanderbilt. But if you look at some of these other schools, the ones that uh, that all of a sudden stopped using the need-based scholarships, all of a sudden they weren't the popular recruiting destination they once were. And so Tulane, from a recruiting standpoint, not as competitive. And so when you have these private schools that have these exorbitant costs to, uh, to attend them and play college baseball, of course, baseball is still a partial scholarship sport, which is an absolute joke in my opinion. When, you're able to, when they're able to offer 100% you know, to five players, then that's per year. Okay, that's, that's per year. So you could have as many, I guess, you know, theoretically, you could have as many as 20, but uh, more than likely you're going to have at least 15 guys coming to school on 100% scholarship, well, if I can offer 100% and you can offer books, I'll get that kid every time. And people wonder, well, I don't understand how they're able to keep kids from, uh, you know, from bypassing the draft to go play college baseball. Well, that's a big part of it. That's a big part of the deal right there. If I can go to school for free, 100%, why would I not? And there are a lot of players out there because a lot of, a lot of times, okay, a lot of times the kids, we talk about the need-based scholarship, and there's a lot of requirements to it. But these, more times than not, are kids that are not going to be able to afford to go to college without some significant assistance. Because there is a there's some parameters involved with this from an in, income matrix that, that kind of forced the issue. And so you've got people out there that, you know what, there's no way I could go to Florida or Florida State on a 15% scholarship or 33%, whatever it is that the minimum is now. So I can go to school Florida State, uh, and I've got to pay 66% of the freight, or I can go to Vanderbilt for free. That's a pretty easy, easy decision to make. And so that's kind of the whole deal with Tulane. It's like Tulane used to be all about that, and, you know, Tulane had some really, really good years. The Canizaro and Gotro years were great at Tulane. But look at where they've been in recent years. 
it boils down to money with college baseball. It really does. And then take it from a former college baseball parent. I can, it's one of those things that, you know, you pay for your kid to go play. Yes, you get a scholarship. Yes, you get a roster spot. Yes, you get a lot of team gear. Yes, you have a lot of fun. You're part of a team. It's camaraderie. But it's an expensive deal. And that's why when I hear all these people talk so much about, uh, you know, we need to pay the football players. Guess, let's get the partial scholarship athletes off of uh, partial scholarships before we start giving more to those who already have everything. Right? Is, is, is it fair that we have 100% scholarships for some sports and then partial scholarships for others? And so why should baseball players and softball players be penalized because they excel at a different sport? But that's another show for another day. So I'm, I'm going to move on for that. But, I, again, we'll be back on Wednesday and uh, be ready to kind of preview the weekend and, and have an idea of, uh, of what to expect. It is going to be a glorious weekend here in Starkville, no matter the weather, uh, because we're going to have postseason baseball back at Dirty Noble Field for the first time since 2016. My hope is, and I know that you share in this hope, that this becomes an annual occurrence because, uh, you know, as much as I love the fact that we have an opportunity to travel, there's nothing better than being at home. There's nothing better than our folks being able to come celebrate and having a very partisan Mississippi State crowd to cheer the boys on in postseason baseball. Before I get out of here, I want to tell you we had a, we had a great time at Rocklahoma, and uh, I saw uh, David Draymond and Disturbed for the first time. And I don't want to get into all that. I'm not going to break down any music for you. But David Draymond said some things that really struck a chord with me. And uh, he talked about, you know, hey, can I have everybody's attention? And, and he talked about, you know, the stigma that goes along with addiction and depression and all those things that are such a, a part of our society today. And he said, listen, I want everybody, if you have been impacted, you or your family or your friend or whatever, if you have somebody that you love, that you've invested in emotionally, if they have been impacted by addic- addiction or depression, please raise your hand. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, probably 25, 30,000 people there and everybody raised their hand you know, a few exceptions. And so this is not about, um, you know, a, a private issue. At some point, all of us are going to be negatively impacted by addiction and or depression. Maybe not personally, but maybe somebody that we love. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a, a niece, a nephew, an in-law, whatever. There's, there's going to be that opportunity, and uh, we're going to have to figure out how we want to handle it. But the best thing to do is for us to talk about it. And uh, as a person that um, has battled addiction all of my life, and, and thankfully I have been clean and sober now uh, about, I guess, 27 and a half years, uh, I know that there are people out there that are, that are lonely and feel hopeless. And uh, I can tell you from personal experience, there's not, a, there's not a more dangerous place to be than to feel hopeless. And so my hope is, is that those of you that listen to this show that uh, you are willing to be an ear to listen and then you make that available to other people then let them know that you know what I'm not going to sit here and talk to you and, and, and debate everything and, and, and talk down to you but I'm going to listen to what's going on with you because I can tell you there were times in my life when I didn't feel like I had a friend in the world I had nowhere to turn and so use your platform whatever it may be and try to be agents for change because there are so many people that are hurting and struggling uh, today. And the last thing that I ever want to have to live with is that somebody that loved that I loved didn't feel like they could come to me with their troubles. Because in the end, it takes us all. It absolutely takes us all. 
So as uh, some of our good friends talk about, you'll be a, be a fountain, not a drain. Much more of that to come in the years ahead of us. Again, we'll be back on Wednesday, and then again on Friday, and look forward to, uh, to seeing you guys out at Duty Noble Field. And uh, it's postseason baseball time. Man. What a great time. What a great time. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way where we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.